1: It's 6.08 at News Talk WSB. My microphone was pointed just on the other side of the room there. It's 6.08 at News Talk WSB. It's 39 degrees outside, and this is, you guessed it, Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves the Georgia Gardener here to help you be more successful in your landscape or indoors either way with your plants. If you have a plant that is just not behaving the way you want, or if you have a plant you'd rather not be in your landscape if you have some questions about how things work in the biological world if you have questions about how to control insects or bugs or critters or anything that just bothers you completely out of sight outside then give me a call 404-872-0750 404-872-0750 gets you right in talk to Ashley for a few minutes and then talk to me and maybe maybe just maybe I'll have an answer. Here's a question that I do not have an answer to yet. and that is, are we going to have cold weather enough to worry about? Kirk is saying, well, you know the models are lining up It says in the next week or two, we might have a freeze event here in Atlanta. And if we do have a freeze event here in Atlanta, there's going to be some real sad hydrangeas all over the city. I looked at mine yesterday, and you can still you can begin to see the little bitty cauliflowers, I call them, the little bitty flower heads are just beginning to form inside that tuft of leaves at the ends of the branch. That's where the flowers occur on a hydrangea, on the the blue and the pink hydrangeas, the common hydrangea. I mean, is that the flowers occur the buds that are right at the tip of the branch and the leaves that now have already come out. I mean, if you have a hydrangea, you already know the leaves are three or four inches long. They're big, they're green, all over the place on the on the shrub. But those initial buds, that's where the flowers going to come. If they get frozen, it's all over. No flowers from that plant unless one of the secondary buds down lower on the plant down lower close to the ground doesn't get frozen might come back and bloom for you a little bit later in the summer but the initial ones ones at the top of the limbs of the branches of the hydrangea they're the ones that if they get frozen new hydrangeas this year so what do you do here's the second question what do you do when you think or have an inkling that maybe a freeze event might come and might hurt your plants how do you protect them and I know that you've seen people who sort of wrap them up with sheets or cover them up with bedspreads or do cardboard boxes and things like that. The key is to try to trap the Earth's heat. The Earth is going to be warmer than the air temperature. And right now, gosh, the soil temperatures are up in the, up in the 60s. And so it's, the Earth is really warm right now because it has such a warm spring so far. So how do you, what do you do to trap that heat? the best thing you can do is to cover the plant all the way down to the ground and then anchor the box or the blanket or the plastic or whatever you have to the ground so that the heat from the earth rises up around the branches of the plant, keeps those buds from freezing. And I know a lot of people who have gotten clear plastic, thinking clear plastic is the right plastic covering for plants when they're trying to protect them. Friends, it is not black plastic black plastic, yes, is the best cover for plants. And why is that? Because clear plastic, just a little bit of sunshine the next day, if you're a little bit lazy, you don't get up, you think, man, i got to eat breakfast first, I'm going to go to work, I need to go get groceries before I come back and take the plastic off of my plants. If it is clear plastic, just a little sunshine on a sheet of clear plastic makes it really, really hot inside, and you can literally cook the buds, rather than freezing them the previous night, you can literally cook the buds by putting the clear plastic over the top of plants and letting the sun warm the, warm the air inside. That's called the greenhouse effect. And the greenhouse effect is what happens in greenhouses. <laughs> it happens in your car. You know, this when it's hot in the summertime, and maybe the outside temperatures are sort of coolish in the morning, but the sun has hit the windshield of your car. The inside is nice and toasty warm. The greenhouse effect. It happens to plants, too, if you cover them with clear plastic. On the other hand, black plastic is usually pretty shiny. And even though we know that black absorbs heat, it's only the little layer of plastic that absorbs the heat. It's not the air underneath. And so perhaps if the little layer of plastic is touching the leaves of a plant, you get little burns here and there. But usually not the bud. Usually not the bud of the hydrangea or whatever plant you're trying to protect. It doesn't get heated up too much under black plastic. So if you want to prepare, if Kirk's prediction perhaps comes true, and we do have a freeze event, Get a roll of black plastic think about where can i get some logs or some pieces of wood or some rocks or something to hold the plastic or maybe a cardboard box Maybe you have a refrigerator box in the garage you can say if i, if I really get desperate i use a refrigerator box put it over my plants but that's the way to protect plants not wrapping them up with a bed sheet or with a blanket or something like that black plastic anchored to the ground all the way around brings the earth's heat up protects those buds keeps them from freezing at 6.13, we go to the phones. we got our friend from Griffin, Nicole, come joins us this morning. Hey, Nicole. Mr. A. How are you, Nicole?
2: Fine, fine. You know, so many years I did that. I did the sheet and all. Oh, you take a big sheet and you take a big piece of plastic, yeah. And then the next morning, I get up, everything is on the ground. Right
1: <laughs> oh, <No, there. laughs> you really got to anchor them. You're right. You're right. If it's a windy day before the cold comes and they try to get the plastic or the sheet or whatever, it is miserable trying to get the whole thing flapping around and all we to get it to come down and be on the ground.
2: Ms. Irene, do you know where the mummy is?
1: A mummy. I know there's mummy blueberries. There's mummy peaches. Uh, what mummies? I
2: mean, mummy person. They put bandage around her and <laughs> yeah. only see the eye <laughs> yeah. oh, I
1: look like this
2: this week. I got in poison ivy. Uh,
1: <laughs> not, not, no, not this early in the year.
2: Mr. Ray, no kidding. There's no leaves. You cannot see. You have to know what the the, the little thing look like.
1: The vine. What were you doing, Nicole? <sighs>
2: I'm so, I'm sorry. Every time I get up in the morning, I got more and more and more.
1: Oh, my gosh. Like uh, the mummy wrapped up with, you know, it was bandages from the poison ivy. What What were you doing?
2: Well, cleaning up in the back, and um, I didn't know this patch was there. Yeah. But then I realized it's in the glove. It's in the tooth ah, yeah, right. in everything. You have wow. to throw away the glove. Forget it. Well,
1: I mean, I guess you could wash them if they're not. You know, unwashable type gloves. You could wash them, theoretically, get the oil off of the gloves that way. And you can, you know, use soap and water, I guess, to get the oil off of your tools and off of things that can be washed and dog hair and things like that, where you have a dog that's gone through the poison. you'd pet the dog and it gets on your oh. fingers that way, too. But wow. This
2: oil is, it's, uh, it gets into your skin. Yeah. What else do we need to be afraid of? Any other poison? <laughs>
1: Right now, I can't think of anything other than poison ivy. And I know, and you know this too, Nicole, that poison ivy has a pretty distinctive vine, at least when it's been on a tree for more than a year or so. The vine is very, very hairy, very, very brown little rootlets coming out of it. And so it's unlike most any other vine you'd see on a tree. Even though the leaves aren't quite there, the hairy vines going up and down the trunk of the tree says, ah, poison ivy, leave it alone.
2: Well, it was not on the tree, it was on the patch, and and um, it's just, you have to recognize this little vine is so tiny, yeah. but on the tree, good grief, if you put the hatchet and the juice come on you, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. you're in
1: big trouble. The juice has the oil, the oil we refer to is called urushiol, it's a chemical, that is, as you know and I know, we all know who have poison ivy ever had on our bodies, that urushiol is very reactive. It makes the skin, it makes the cells in your skin say, Lord, don't let us touch that stuff. That is bad stuff. You pucker up and blister up and you know, all the things that happen with poison eye. But yeah, yeah it's it's because stuff.
2: it transfers that at night. You sleep with your hands in between your knees or your legs. <laughs> yeah. It transfer, and the next morning you sit. Oh, shoot, I got more. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was like a mummy. I had pets everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's getting slower and a way more. Boy, is just yeah. don't want to do that anymore.
1: You know, one of the things I might mention, Nicole, is that a lot of people believe that we have poison oak here in Georgia. And, yes, there are little patches of poison oak in places. I've only seen myself with my own eyes one patch of poison oak. I knew it was poison oak could identify the berries and the shape of the leaves. And that was up in Woodstock, near where where it actually lives as a matter of fact. And so poison oak is sometimes found in Georgia, but not common at all. And the other one, poison sumac, is very rarely found in Georgia, except around the edges of swamps. And there's two or three sumac plants that grow along highways and places like that. They're not poisonous at all. But the poison sumac, the only time you see it is around a swamp
2: what do you think they make some kind of medicine with this oil Don't
1: know. you know supposedly there are medicines that are made from the oil to use to help you help your body become less uh, sensitive to the to the chemical oh. I think there is at least one or two that people take some of the people who work in trees foresters and folks who are out in the woods all the time that they take this medicine and I believe it's a prescription medicine but I think it has the oil in it to keep them from being to being they desensitize themselves from the oil.
2: All right, because good grief, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't live. I know my brother was a lumberjack, and I don't think there's, oh. there's uh, some in Canada, because yeah. I think it probably die in wintertime, but this year, yeah, I mean... Yeah,
1: yeah. <sighs> Even though it doesn't have leaves on it, that, that vine, that hairy vine, or the little vines you pulled up in the backyard, they all have the oil in the stem, and it, as you know, turns out to be a pretty bad experience after you've touched it.
2: So, anything
1: blooming in your garden? Oh, man. Still got the daffodils, the hellebores, of course. Um, the um, paper bush is looking fabulous. It's fading a little bit right now. I saw the daphnes yesterday were looking pretty good. Nothing new. they got an anemone, a little windflower that is blooming up in the top um, corner of one of the raised beds. I've got some snowdrops that are in there as well. Everything is
2: pink, isn't
1: it? Pink, yeah. And the hydrangeas, you know, the the pink things from the cherries and things like that are all over the place, but not so much in my garden. I've got the Yoshino that just has started. Just a couple of flowers yesterday I saw on the Yoshino cherry just now coming out.
2: So the red always comes first, isn't
1: it? The red ones, the real, real, real pink one, yeah. The uh, is it? Okami. Okami cherry comes first, and then the Yoshino, Kwanzan after that, and then... Sometimes during the summertime, the autumn now so have a few blooms on that till autumn before autumn. Blooms.
2: I know the tulips. You have a lot of tulip and the many. red one always yeah. comes first. I have more yeah, energy yeah. in it. I think
1: uh, maybe so. I'm looking at the time, and I got to get out of here, Nicole. It's great talking to you once again. Thanks for calling. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day. We'll see you soon, Nicole. At 619, we'll be back after this. This is
3: Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need.
1: Big weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today's going to be beautiful outside. 62 degrees, a high this afternoon, 35 overnight low. And tomorrow, same thing. high of 62, low around low 30s tomorrow evening. Of course, keep your eye out for the extended forecast. We'll see what the freeze does or does not happen to here in Atlanta. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Steve in Marietta joins us this very minute. Hey, Steve, good morning.
0: Good morning, Walter. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, I've got a couple of river birch trees. They're probably 25 years old, and they are double trunk. Yeah. I had uh, some tree guys come out, and they were doing some other work. They noticed that two of the four trunks were leaning a little bit closer to the house, more than 45 degree <laughs> angle than they yeah. like. They cut them back. It was Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. And now I see something rising to the top of the cut. On each of the trees, it looks like Thousand Island, Thousand
1: Island ooh, salad dressing. Ooh, very nice. No, it's not. I, I, I know you don't think it's very nice. Me, I think it's great. <laughs> is, that, is that the sign of a healthy tree? Uh, to be truthful, yeah, it is, because it says to me, at least it was healthy before they cut it, um, what it says to me is the tree is, in a sense, sensing that the outside environment has changed. It no longer has two trunks at the guys cut away, and so it has sent sap up there, and the sap is hardening to some extent, but also on the sap, there are decomposing fungi which are growing on it, and that's what gives it the Thousand Island dressing appearance. Is it, is it any color? Is it white? What color is it? See.
0: On one of them, it was. It almost looked like um, a clear gel. Yeah. They both started kind of with a clear gel. Yeah. One has progressed very rapidly. Uh, the other one is still mostly clear gel.
1: Huh. It, frankly, I don't think it's gonna do any damage to the tree in a long, long sense. They'll still grow for a while, and then when the stump dries off completely in June or July, then the stuff that you see is gonna harden and uh, blow away, and the stumps will deteriorate. Then you know the whole process of things going away in a tree. But no, I don't think right now anything to worry about. Particularly, the reason I was asking about color though was I saw a dogwood a couple of years ago that someone had cut a big limb off of it, and the sap that ran down the trunk in a big, huge river was completely bright orange. It was the greatest color I've ever seen. Just this huge bright flag of orange in the landscape. And I thought that is the neatest thing for those fungi, those caroteno seats my- caroteno- making the orange fungus coming out of the tree. It's 628. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show
0: with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your Lawn and Garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK.
1: And now, here's Walter. It's 636 on a Saturday morning, 38 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. I'm here to help you be more successful just by talking. This is Garden Talk Therapy this morning. If you have a question that needs an organic answer, I have no problem giving you the best organic answer in the whole wide world, where you won't use any chemicals at all. If you have a more chemical-oriented question, happy to help you there as well. All you have to do is dial four o four eight seven two zero seven fifty. Coming up in the next half hour we'll talk to Paul in Atlanta about top dressing his lawn each year. Pat and Buford wants to know about Japanese maple planting and mending the soil. Right now Nancy and Roswell joins us though. Hey Nancy, good morning. Good morning. How can I help?
2: Well I have a crazy question. I have too many leaves.
1: <laughs> well, I can think of some people who might help you with those leaves. What's going on?
2: Well, we've lived here forty years and over the years I've planted a lot of little plants at the top of the hill in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And trees have grown up and particularly oak trees and they've just dropped quantities of sure, leaves and yeah. I feel like they're smothering my little plants and that they won't emerge in the spring mm-hmm. and some of them have not. Yeah, yeah. What can I do about this? Out in the woods nobody <laughs> breaks up leaves.
1: Yeah, I have I have two solutions that I use that may or may not be practical for you. All right, first solution. All of my hellebores and ferns and things that I had planted underneath the sweet gum by my driveway were getting covered up, just like yours. And I thought, man, dog, I I hate these balls. And I finally just bit the bullet and had my tree taken down this past uh, winter. So that costs a lot of money, true, but I no longer am going to be worried about things falling on the plants that I really want to see bloom right now, the hellebores, the ferns that are just coming up with little fronds out of the ground, a couple other woodland ephemerals that I have planted up there are no longer going to be covered by sweet gum leaves, so I took that step was number one. Number two is I have a a blower, just a regular gasoline, you know, leaf blower, and about three times during the fall when the leaves were dry and light and easy to blow before it rained on them at all, I'd go up there and just sort of clean out the whole bed, get all the leaves blown off the bed and into the driveway, and then rake them up and uh, bag them. If you could get the blower a couple, three times during the fall, that probably makes more sense than anything for you, I guess.
2: Sounds like a lot
1: of work. <laughs> well, I don't know. In my case, I have two teenage boys in the neighborhood who, for a few dollars an hour, will come and do it for me. And that is great. I let them do the work for me. Just put the blower in their hands and go go out there and blow all the leaves off that bed. They go do it. And I give them a few dollars, and that's the end of that story. So if you can hire somebody, ask people at church and neighborhood meetings and things. Just ask your friends, do you have a teenage son, grandson, somebody who would come over to my house and use the blower? you may find somebody okay thank you so very much it's wonderful talking to you Nancy thanks for calling all right bye-bye we'll see you soon we got Pat on the line Pat's up in Beaufort and joins us on Lawn and Garden hey Pat good morning good morning Walter
3: what's up I uh, look I was uh, I was lucky enough to uh, listen to your presentation at the North at home show a few weeks uh-huh. ago yeah and after the show I asked you a couple of questions and one of them was about a Japanese maple and so my question to you is has got two parts number one Uh, You pointed me towards the maple tree expert that you had sitting on the stage with you. And I did not get his name. And then number two, uh, a part of my question, is that he told me to amend the soil when I planted these. He told me how to dig the holes and mm-hmm. everything. And I didn't ask him what I should use for an amendment. And he said, don't overdo it. He said, it's easy to put too much in. So mm-hmm. that's that's my question to you, is what was his name? Because Ashley was telling me he does teach seminars from time to time. I think and, it's at and, the uh,
1: Botanical Garden coming soon. Norm, His name is Norm. Mitleider, M I T T L E I D E R Norm Mitleider. Okay. And his website is artofpruning.com is art-of-pruning.com artofpruning.com. And um, he is a Japanese maple expert. He does work for all the people around Atlanta who have the big high-end homes that have the pretty Japanese maples out front and Norm comes and does maintenance and and uh, plants and things like that for them. And the amendment that I think a lot of us use is ground up Pine bark. Now, sometimes it doesn't say on the bag. This contains ground up pine bark. It just says this bag contains wood products. Well, big deal. Sometimes this means just ground up <laughs> wood pallets, wood logs, wood whatever came from a tree. You know, two months ago is in the bag. And so many times, I just wait until there's a torn bag at Pike or at one of the big box stores where I'm shopping. I wait for the torn bag to open up a little bit. I can look in there with my fingers and say, "Okay, this is ground pine bark. It's not anything else." And you can tell when it's pine bark. It's brown. The chips look like pine pine tree in there. That to me is one of the best amendments for soil around. There used to be there used to be a product called Nature's Helper, which may be around still. But Nature's Helper was the only one at one time. Now there are several competing brands of sort of soil conditioner, planting soil. I think Pike sells planting soil. But a couple, three years ago, they had ground pine fines is what they call it, in their bag. And I bought a bunch of it from Pike back then. So that's what you use. That's what you're looking for is ground pine bark, if you can possibly find it.
3: Okay, I shall look for that. Thank you so much. Wait, wait, wait,
1: wait, 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 Pat. we got to talk about how much to use so that you don't overdo it, because we don't want to do something against Norm's recommendation. Okay. The normal, if it's pretty heavy orange clay soil that has never been amended since the people were growing cotton in your neighborhood, if it's real heavy soil, the typical recommendation is a couple of inches of soil conditioner, the ground pine bark on top, dug in at least, 8 inches or so deep. Roots of pine trees, roots of Japanese maple trees go no deeper than 8 to 10 inches. So there's no real need to amend down to the center of the earth. So in an area that you're going to plant a Japanese maple, I would, I don't know, 8, nine, ten feet maybe in diameter, scatter the soil condition on top of that, dig it in real good, and then plant the Japanese maple in the middle. And one of the things that I'm really following right now, Pat, and I don't want to go far out on a limb, but there's a great bit of research done in Washington, Washington state that and also duplicated in Florida that one of the most successful ways to plant Japanese maples is to wash the dirt completely off of the roots before you plant it. And that seems so foreign to me, because I'm so used to, like you, having a, a pot with a tree going in it. You pull it out, you roughen up the roots, and you put it in the ground. Or a ball and burlap tree, where you take it out of the burlap in the wire cage, and you put it in the ground. But the research that they've shown out there says that it's much more successful. You can correct any roots that are wrapped around the base of the tree. You can straighten out any kinked roots. You can get them spread in different directions, which then makes the tree much more able to... Absorb nutrients and moisture from a wide area, which then leads to success for the tree Just because you've corrected the the bad roots So consider that when you plant your Japanese maple, Pat Consider washing most of the soil off, looking at the root system, spreading it out in the hole when you plant it
3: Okay I shall do that. All right. Do, do, do I need to stake it uh, temporarily? Um, not
1: usually. Most okay. of the Japanese maples have a good enough root system, and they are low enough. That the wind is not going to knock them over. I don't think you would need to do that.
3: Okay, excellent. Well, you know what my job today is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Go dig. Get some soil conditioner and dig it in.
3: I shall do that. Thanks so much, Walter. It's great talking to you, Pat. Thank you.
1: You see, it's, it's Paul's turn. Paul's in Midtown and joins us on Lonely Garden. Paul, oh, good morning.
3: Good morning, Walter. What's up? I have a lawn leveling question. Oh, so, I have it done. I have a Bermuda lawn. Yeah. And I have the, the lawn leveling service done. They aerate and fertilize them. And they did a good job. But what happened was, two or so years prior, I took some trees down. So, when they scalped it, I had some big craters. And wow. they that just won't fill that. So, they, of course, referred me to someone else who came in and filled them out I mean, did a great job. So, everything, the lawn looked good last year. My question is course they're soliciting me to do it again. Is it recommended to do it back to back years?
1: I guess it I mean, depends on how vigorous the Bermuda is growing. If it was a very full sun, vigorously growing, regularly fertilized Bermuda lawn, back to back wouldn't be a problem, I think. If it's a okay, yeah, struggling lawn sun. in the shade, then I don't think I'd do it every every year, maybe every other year.
3: My front gets full sun and the back gets most sun. So. Okay.
1: Okay, I don't think I'd be have a big problem with that. Um, what are they using to level it with? Is it some mixture that the company provides? Um, off the top of my head, I can't remember. It's a mix of uh, sand and soil, I S- believe. Soil, well, yeah, good. That's that's the normal stuff. And the real reason I think for top dressing is just to level the lawn out, so that when they mow, when you mow, when anybody mows, there's no divots, no long, you know, big long troughs been made by a car drove across it. Five years ago, or the place where the stunt was ground out, it has a big concavity, and you just want your lawn to be as level as you can because mowing is important. And if you have the same level of grass throughout the lawn that's been mowed, then it just looks nice. It looks more uniform. Yeah. There's no yellow places where the blade is dipped down and scumbled into the into the into the stems of the plant.
3: Because the stuff they did last year, you know, again, they did a great job, but settled a little bit. Might be a yeah. little different. It's nowhere near the, the craters it was
1: last year. Yeah, so. good. Okay, they do good. All right, hey, thanks. It's great talking to you. Thanks for calling, Paul. All right. Bye. We've got Shelby, who joins us from McDonough. Shelby, good morning. Good
2: morning, Walter. How are you, Shelby? Doing great. Good. I have uh, purchased recently a couple of sick-looking Mophead hydrangeas at the grocery
0: store. <laughs> I, I brought
2: them home and put ice cubes on the dirt, and they are beautiful. <laughs> I'm really enjoying the blooms in them. They cost me like a dollar apiece.
0: All right.
2: Um. Uh, when do you think I should try to put them in the yard now? They're sitting on the back porch
1: in you yeah. know nice spot where it's not
2: too bad.
1: But Wait till Mr. Mellis gives us the all clear for no more freezing events coming in the future. And this would not be the time to do any planning because Kirk is saying maybe it's going to freeze next weekend. And I don't want those hydrangeas to get frozen because you, you've babied them. They're doing nice. You've enjoyed them. So why put them out in harm's way? So, yeah, so I don't so maybe
2: Easter time or something. Yeah,
1: Easter time, 1st of April, somewhere in there. I think it'd be safe, Shelby. Right now, you've got two plants you can enjoy. Enjoy them, and don't put them out where they might get hurt.
2: All right. Thanks a so bunch.
1: Shelby, one Good of the things... Wait, 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 wait. You're my friend, so I can tell you more here. I'm giving the, okay. the added no-charge extras here this morning. <laughs> one of the things that I found from my mother, we gave her hydrangeas at least a couple of years for Mother's Day, and... The hydrangeas that we planted, they were were planted after we gave them to her and she enjoyed them inside, but the hydrangeas that came from the florist shop or from Kroger, I think in both cases, never bloomed worth anything because I think they're not made for really outdoor You know, normal weather in Georgia kind of conditions They're florist hydrangeas And that's what you got from the store Probably were florist hydrangeas Which are bred for having great big blooms Things that you can really, you know, give to people And they'll be impressed by the size of the blooms But mamas would only bloom every two or three years And I think that was in years where we had a warm spring No freezes and the buds stayed on the plant So, you know, note that about these that you plant They may not come back with huge blooms every year But you'll get some every two or three years
2: I really buy them for the bonnet because I use the bonnet to put on cemetery flowers and it's so much cheaper <laughs> okay. than going someplace to buy this high dollar oil.
1: So you got the oh. bonnet and the flowers. You man, Shelby you're saving money right and left.
2: And the potting soil in the pot. So I'm I just feel real lucky if I get a bloom out of this after <laughs> I plant
1: it. So far they've done okay. Shelby, you're doing great. Hope to see you soon. We'll see you.
4: Okay, thanks.
1: Bye-bye. It's 6.48. We'll be back after this. This is Scott
3: Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need.
1: Here's a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Two carbon copy days. Afternoon highs somewhere in the low 60s. Very warm outside. Low overnight around 35. Tomorrow, pretty much the same thing. Low 60s, low 30s. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. James is in McDonough and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, James. Good morning.
4: How are you doing? I'm all right,
1: James. What's up?
4: I've got it. and I don't know what the name of the plant is, and I apologize, but uh, uh, it, the plant's about two and a half, two foot, two and a half foot tall. It yeah. grows out, no flowers, but it grows out into leaves, and it's in a potted plant. It's in, it's an in, uh, inside plant. Got it. Uh, and it, the, the stems grow up, and it has extensions off the main stem, uh, and w- at the top of the stem, each stem, it will de- develops uh, six to seven leaves. Yeah. There. Uh,
1: so, what's the problem? To hurry on in to get in the problem. What's, what's the problem with the plant? It
4: it it, ha- it has these white powdery, sticky stuff that gets on the bottom of the leaves, ah. on the uh, the branches of the leaves, and you have to literally wash it off. In order to get it off.
1: Do you have any idea that these are living things that have some kind of wax over the top that makes them hard and sticky, but still a living something underneath them? Do you try to scrape them off with a knife blade or anything?
4: No, you can actually pull it off with your fingers, but yeah. you, uh, it's it's a sticky, it's a white powdery stuff.
1: Yeah, um, but sometimes really the aphids and powder and not not um, powdery mildew. Um, Aphids and the woolly aphids—they have a little sticky stuff. Some some other creatures, mealy mealy, what's it? Mealy bugs that I'm looking for. Yeah, mealy bugs also have the waxy stuff on them. It's not hard exactly. It's just sort of sticky is the right word. You described that right. So somehow, James, you got to figure out if these are bugs or not because there's another condition called guttation, g-u-t-t-a-t-i-o-n, where plants will sometimes when they have a little more water than they can use around their roots and in the stem will actually ooze out, for lack of a better word, they'll ooze out water on the leaves and stems and it'll sometimes evaporate, and so you get this powdery, white substance on the leaves and stems there, too. So we got to figure out whether you have gutation, which is natural, normal, and not much to do about it, or bugs, which is not natural, not normal, and you got to do something about it. So I'm going to suggest, again, a dull knife. Go in and just scrape a little bit on the bottom of the leaf and on the silver side. Find out if you've got something that looks living in there. Mash it between your fingers, see if there's anything pink or yellow juice inside to see if it is. If it is, what to do? Sometimes it depends on how much of the plant is involved. Sometimes with, with house plants, I advise people, it's just too much trouble to try to prevent mealy bugs and aphids on them and go ahead and pitch the plant, and get a new one and enjoy that one. You can sometimes get rid of it with alcohol on a Q-tip, just wiping the alcohol up and down the stems and under the leaves, you might try that if you want to, to see if there's anything under the alcohol, even see if you see any bugs underneath there. But again, the key thing, key thing is to figure out what you have, gutation or bugs. We'll deal with it either way when you figure that out. It's 658 at News Talk WSB. Our number is 404-872-0750. And We'll be right back after news.